Welcome to Geared for Growth. I'm your host, Mike Mortlock, Managing Director of MCG Quantity Surveyors. Today we're chatting with Simon Chester. He's the Director of Channel Sales and Strategic Partnerships at Geocon. They are, of course, a massive development company based in Canberra. And we ask him why Canberra. We talk about the Canberra property market. I, of course, ask him to answer for all of the bad press that buying off the plan apartments has been getting. And, of course, the defects issues that we've heard about with Opal and mascot towers and that sort of thing. He also gives some great advice about the Canberra property market. And if you are looking at purchasing an apartment, things that you should check out for from a warranty liability point of view. He shares some great tips for investors looking at building their portfolio with apartments and I'm sure you'll get some fantastic gold out of Simon. Here's Simon. Simon Chester, thank you for joining me on Geared for Growth. Thanks for having me, Mike. Looking forward to uh, yeah, getting into it. Highly anticipated this one. We've been trying to tee it up for a while. Um, now, Simon, for people that haven't come across you before, can you let us know who you are and what your specialty is? So my name is Simon Chester. My, my role is the Director of Channel Sales and Strategic Partnerships here at um, Geocon Group, which is a property developer based in Canberra in the ACT. Um, my specialty really um, is selling Canberra and Jericon to the world, but nationally and internationally, really trying to educate people on firstly Canberra um, and secondly Jericon, who we are as a company, what we do, what we stand for, um, and then yeah, continuing that that sort of education and growth on a, on a global stage. Awesome. And we've had very few sorts of um, Canberra-centric podcasts um, in the series. And Canberra's definitely been in the news. There's uh, there's a lot of talk about the house prices at the moment sort of bucking some national trends. So we definitely want to dive into that today. To give us a bit of dirt on you, though, Simon, what were the posters on the bedroom wall growing up? Yeah, that's an interesting one. It, it, I... Parents weren't super strict uh, growing up, but certainly uh, liked a tidy house. And so blue tack was a bit of a, a no-no on the walls because of, yeah. of the paint. But um, I travelled around uh, a little a, a bit as a, as, as a kid. I did some of my high school in America. My, my dad was with Foreign Affairs and Trade, um, which is pretty typical for a Canberra kid to have parents working in the government. Um, yeah. So, you know, cricket and rugby d- – Players sort of dominated the the, the walls until um, I moved to America, and then I was entrenched in the the US um, system. Got right into the the baseball. Um, I was a Baltimore Orioles fan, uh, living in um, in Virginia, and um, the Washington Redskins and the Washington Bullets, both of which have now had to change their names. The Bullets changed their name. Um, when I was living there, um, to the Wizards, and um, right. just recently, as a result of the the riots in America, the Redskins have have changed their names as well. But they were they were sort of my team. A big sports fan, big sports nuts. A lot of sports posters uh, on the walls, but no blue tack, and so they weren't allowed to stay up for very long. I understand the Redskins ones, but what's the problem with the bullets? I, I don't understand if there's some sort of racial aspect to that. No, it was more around the violence. So, I mean, I, I grew ah, right. Dad's office was in um, Washington, D.C., um, but our suburb was um, McLean, Virginia, a very affluent suburb, but only 15, 20 minutes, I think, from D.C. But in D.C. itself um, at the time, very violent 
city, a lot of gun crime, a uh, lot of lot of ho- high murder rate. Um, and I believe I could be wrong. Your listeners may 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 know better, but my my recollection was that it was to do with the, the violence and the, the with the Washington bullets, and um, that was seen as a you know. At the time, probably not an appropriate name, and so they they changed to the wizards, and they're they're still the wizards now. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. But um, we're getting way off track here. Let's talk. <laughs> let's talk property. How did you first get started in property, and what was the first investment? Well, interestingly, I had um, no real understanding or interest or desire or knowledge about property um, really until I, I met my, my wife, uh, my now wife. Uh, she, her family um, of builders and concreters and um you know she she'd bought her first property young and it was it was it was her that really sort of you know, opened me up to to property when i was oh, 29 30 so going back about a decade so quite late into life i was uh working outside of property she was working in property marketing and as i said i'd come from a family of um of of builders and concreters and um, she knew it knew it inside out so it was her that um, uh, really got it got me into it and um, not long after we'd, we'd um, you know started getting quite serious in our relationship we'd, we purchased a, an investment property together and it was all her driving that um, and then from there we've gone on and made you know some other investments property investments um, along the way but it's really been my wife that's been the main driver in that um particularly before i started working in property now yep. now i claim that i'm i'm sort of the expert and try and <laughs> drive all those decisions um but yeah we um we're both sort of very passionate about it now well you're up to your neck in property at the moment um but i guess prior to to jumping in in the development space you had a career in business development race relationship management that sort of thing what was the career plan for you when you were at uni yeah, well, I really wanted to, um, as I said earlier on, I, I love sports, um, you know, all sports, though, whether it be cricket, rugby, um, and then the American sports. I just loved it, but was um, never going to be able to be a professional sports person, just didn't have anywhere near the ability um, re- required, um, but but really thought, well, how can I get a career in, in sport? Um, and so... I did a degree at uni, a marketing um, sports administration um, de- degree, but um, jobs in sport are really hard to come by. Um, and, and so started off whilst I was at uni working for uh, the cereal company Kellogg's um, as a sales rep. Um, and so it was a great job at uni. I was able to go around when I didn't have classes and you know try and convince a local shopkeeper to take an additional pallet of Nutri-Grain or cornflakes and but it was a great role to um, – uh, I, I went back and did some lecturing at the uni. I went to, to the sports administration students that when I, when I had eventually landed my dream job in sport and really encouraged them to do a similar sort of role because you – it got you to be uh, comfortable talking to people at all different levels and all different ethnicities and all different you know, interests as you're travelling around. I, I looked after all of southern New South Wales, um, you know, going and trying to convince people to buy cereal. And um, from there, I graduated uni and took a job at the head office with Kellogg's uh, in, in Sydney and um, was there for six months or so before um 
getting a, my first job in sport, which was with the Western Force Rugby Union team in Perth, Western Australia. So I moved across there and then um, was there for three or four years and then came back to Canberra and, and joined the, the Brumbies Rugby Union team um, where I yeah. was. For, for so, the, so for, for people that aren't um, union aficionados, the Brumbies is, uh, is, is the regional sort of first grade team for union? Yeah, they're they're a very um, well known international uh, rugby team. Um, they they play um, in the Super Rugby competition, so um, competition with with teams from from all over the, the the world. They're Australia's most successful professional rugby union team, um, having won the championship um, two times. Um, and so, yeah, in, in Canberra, it's it's the the Canberra Raiders and the Brumbies are the, the two big teams. And um, so, yeah, they're, they're a very well-known team. They're representing ACT and, and southern New South Wales, so that sort of region south of Goulburn down to the, the border. And, yeah, they're, they're a big deal in Canberra. They're a big part of, uh, of Canberra's identity. And um, so that was a that was a great organisation to work for. And the, the organisation that I've worked, you know, had them the most years at during my career. Now, it sort of seems like you landed the dream job, general manager of a very famous uh, union team. It sort of seems like, you know, you could just sort of milk it in there, um, perfect position, good salary, but you've sort of moved maybe backwards to go forwards, would you say? How did you, how did you go from doing that to starting working with Geocon? Yeah, look, it, it was an interesting um, decision. I guess having worked in rugby um, between the Western Force and, and the Brumbies um, for, you know, over, t- over 10 years when you combine them together, every year subsequent to my first was getting harder. Um, I, I wasn't involved in the professional side of it where, you know, getting a, a team out on the paddock to win a game of footy. I, I was involved in the the you know the money side of it and, and generating right. revenue to keep the, the team afloat, and every every year was getting less that little bit harder. Um, and I, I guess the main factor for the change was just the 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 effort you put in um, doesn't necessarily result in the outcomes required. And, and you know an example of that's just pure you know TV numbers, for example, that you know were, were on the decline and interest in the game and and the Wallabies as a national team performance um, was was on the decline. Um, mm. Crowd numbers, you know. So when you're trying to get sponsors and TV deals and all this sort of stuff, it's all a, it's all a numbers game, and there's so many things that are just out out of your control. And whilst the game is still incredibly strong and you know will continue to to prosper, I, I just felt it was that a good time to try something different. Where I saw this as an opportunity where I could have. Uh, a lot more control. Now, I can't control what the banks are going to do with interest rates or global pandemics and and what. Mm. But I certainly have felt that over the past three years that um, you know you, I'm much more in control of my destiny than than I, than I was. Um, you know, trying to generate uh, revenue for a rugby union team. Yeah, and going from a I guess a declining business of sorts to a company that's on the absolute up and up. For anyone that's not familiar with uh, with Canberra Geocons, a massive development company that's it's growing very very quickly. Can you give us a bit of an overview of the brand? Yeah, so it's a it, it is a massive company. I I had had a couple of. Um, 
uh, brief dealings with Geocon in my time in the Brumbies to purely try and get them to to, to um, invest some money into the, yeah. into the team. Um, and at the time, they were sponsoring the, the Raiders, the, the other the other um, big team in town, and had been to the offices um, that they were in at the time and and got a sense that you know the, the, these guys were sort of young and, and enthusiastic. And but um, it wasn't until I started that I got a, a real sense of. Um, what what they are about and, and what they are looking to, to, to achieve. So um, the company was founded about 13 years or so ago by uh, Nick Georgialis, our, our owner and managing director who um, uh, runs the business on a day-to-day basis and is heavily involved in, in all areas of the business. Um, we're a construction company, so we, we, we're the largest construction company in, in Canberra by, by, by some distance, but we only build for ourselves um we're a hotel operator where we build um run operate and manage hotels um we're just about to open our i believe it's our seventh or eighth hotel um next month in belconnen um and we do have two hotels that are just outside the act border one on the south coast of new south wales and then one in the wine region Murren bateman but all um and then we're a residential developer developing 1,500 to 2,000 apartments per year um, in all areas of, of Canberra. So it's a it's a it's a beast of a, a, a business, uh, and it's grown massively in, in my my time here. Um, from sort of you know 250 odd people, I think when I first started to to sort of 750 odd now, um, and a lot of that's off the back of you know more projects, so you need more more staff, and that includes our hotel staff. So each time you open a hotel, there's 50 new staff that you need to be able to uh, run and operate that hotel. So we're the fourth largest builder developer in Australia, um, but outside of Canberra, we, we're not as well known as some of the bigger guys that are that are national. Mm. Yeah, absolutely huge business and a huge brand in in Canberra. Talk to us about. Um, and we were going to focus on the the property investing side. Um, talk to us about channel sales and how these apartments are sold. So we're talking fifteen hundred, two thousand apartments a year. How, how does channel sales work in general? Yeah, so we at Geocon we've got um, an internal sales arm that uh, are Geocon um, employees that um, are based at our at our various sites, and our marketing our internal marketing function um, focuses on the Canberra market. So we we do you know ads on domain, um, uh, realestate.com, the standard sort of stuff that then push inquiry through to the local agents. Um, and then we have display suites and open homes um, that push push people there. And they're really targeting uh, the Canberra first home buyers, downsizers, um, the Canberra investors. Um, and then where my role comes in, the, the simplistic way that we like to put it is generating sales that we wouldn't have already got. So we don't we we leave Canberra alone and we focus on the bigger markets. And um, I think I sort of said it at the start where my specialty is is working with real estate agents, financial planners, whoever they might be, um, super funds to educate people on Geocon uh, and Canberra. And then we begin a relationship with them to them to start um, 
introducing Jercon and Canberra to their clients, um, and that's 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 really the channel sales in a in a nutshell. And so that that makes up. You know, we, we started the channel sales business. Uh, it's, it'll be nearly three years um, since I started, um, and you know, it, it now accounts for about fifty percent of our our overall annual sales. Yeah, wow. That's huge. Well done, by the way. Um, now, before this starts sounding like a paid promotion, I'm going to throw some throw some heat your way. Yeah. Um, it's it's fair to say that most guests on the podcast take a bit of a dim view on purchasing new property. Uh, I guess that's to do with the um, the premiums that you can pay for for the sales agents and the developers and that sort of stuff. But I think especially within large style developments and and they've certainly got some bad press in areas where there's been some oversupply. Let's say South Bank in Melbourne and certain areas of of Brisbane. What's been your experience of the performance of the projects from a capital growth point of view? Yeah, look, we Canberra's a very in terms of growth, it, it's it's steady, um, steady as she goes is the best way I like to describe it. On a comparison to Sydney over the last fifteen to twenty years, there has been years where Sydney's seen you know ten to fifteen percent growth in a in a in a single year. Canberra's never never seen that. But on the mm-hmm. flip side, in, in a year where Sydney's dropped eight to ten percent, Canberra might have um, dropped one or held steady. It's 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 your your four to fives year on year, steady as she goes, but. A lot of in, a lot of our investors are attracted to that sort of safety, those numbers, because you know a lot of your guests probably aren't uh, familiar with Canberra. Um, you know, apartments are a relatively new thing. Um, when I say new thing, last sort of ten years. Um, there's very limited land in Canberra. We, we've got a border around us. We've got the same land amount as a country like Singapore. They're very similar in terms of their you know, the size. Um, so there's a very limited land with a lot of population growth, the lowest unemployment in, in Australia with high yield and incredibly low vacancy. So it's it's hard to compare um, with other cities where there's, you know, expansion. I, I go visit some of our partners that are selling for us in Sydney now and you're landing at Sydney Airport and their offices are at Marsden Park and you're 100Ks out and they're still going. I mean, yeah, Canberra's very unique in that way that it's 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 got very very limited land um but very fast population growth Mm. yeah that's very very interesting that the i guess the the supply side is very well constrained and obviously with with singapore you don't sort of get your typical white picket fence house um in in that area do you think do you think sorry Sorry, Mike, just to highlight it, last week the ABC um, did a story to, to say to, to meet the demand um, for Canberra's population growth um, over the next 10 years, a new uh, 12 new dwellings per day have to be delivered. Wow. Um, and so when house and land opportunities are, are, are few and far between and are very expensive, mind you, um, you know, a house and land in the outer suburbs of Canberra, you know, $900,000, um, where an apartment, two-bedroom apartment in the city is um, it's yeah, it's, that's a lot of dwellings to deliver. Um, and so it's yeah, it's it's a it's a challenge not just for Jercon but for for everyone to be able to keep that supply up to the to the market. Do you sort of face some of the same resistance that I think uh, people selling off the plan apartments would be getting? 
by virtue of some of the the cowboys that were perhaps giving it a bit of a bad name. Yeah, absolutely. But it, but again, for us, it's a you know it's it's a positive. Um, the you know when we when I'm talking to people in Sydney and they're referencing Opal Towers or or um, it, where, even in places like Hong Kong where we do um, a, a lot of sales and they talk about bad experiences. Um, every single time that someone has told me a horror story about buying off the plan, it's been that, oh, you know, the developer was good but it was the builder or it was that the builder was good but the sales agents they were using told me one thing or the other. We are fully integrated from top to bottom. So we are the builder, the developer, the property manager, the sales agent. We do we do the whole lot and because we've got a you know fifty percent roughly market share in Canberra, and we um, are continuing to deliver new projects, we have to make sure we get everything a hundred percent spot on, or we're not going to be able to continue to you know reputation for us is everything. So it's it, it's we certainly do get those questions, and you know how do we know this isn't another Opal Towers or whatever other example that that people give us? But the fact that we can um, demonstrate you know, some great completed stock and product that we have now. We've just gone through a huge settlement um, process in the middle of COVID with some excellent results. We've got some um, runs on the board and the fact that we're controlling everything from start to finish really does um, uh, sort of put at bay a lot of those um, concerns people might have. Yeah, and I guess the the reputation of the brand, as you say, is important. You can destroy that um, with one dodgy project, I assume. Um, but really, yeah, it's a it's a it's a it's becoming a big global city, but it's still that one degree of, of separation. So it's so important we get it right, um, and you know we need everyone that's buying into a, a Jercon development to be a, an ambassador because you know there's nine more developments that, that we're trying to sell to, to their friends and family so it's yeah it's critical that we get it right let's focus on on where your business sits first of all with being Canberra now I, um, I can't remember where I, where I got this um, but I flogged one of your geocon presentations to to scrape some of the infographics off for this uh, this interview now some of this might be a little bit um, out of date but at the time it was saying that Canberra has the fastest growing population in Australia the fastest economic growth the lowest rental vacancy rate um, rental yields at 5.6 which probably are even higher now unemployment which was 3.7 um my personal favorite was 140 vineyards within 35 minutes drive of the cbd i mean like i don't think you need a stronger (laughs) sales pitch than that to be honest but is this part of the reason why geocon sort of chooses canberra or is this more of a of a pitch to potential purchases the give for growth property investing podcast is presented by our business mcg quantity surveyors If you're an investor or a property professional looking to get the best tax depreciation deductions for yourself or your clients, please get in touch with us at mcgqs.com.au. It's our mission to help as many property investors as we can to maximise their claims and maximise their property education as well. Well, I mean, our, our owner and our founder is Canberra born and bred. He knows this market um, well, and um, that's 
that's probably um, the those those um, figures that you rattled off, which are which are all you know pleasingly still you know very close to to, to spot on even during COVID. Um, um, that, that that I guess probably was the reason that he chose to set up the business off the back of those fundamentals. But it's really knowing the the, the that that those stats and knowing the markets and knowing the different areas. You know, we don't have the 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 um, Meritons, Lendlease, uh, Metricon, uh, Stocklands—they they, they, don't—they're not down here. You've got a, a couple of um, uh, developers that decide to do some stuff here and some stuff in regional New South Wales and Queensland. We just focus on Canberra. Those numbers obviously are part of a sales pitch, but I think they're also the driver of of of, of what why Jercom was created because you know you, um, I touched on it before this limited land supply and a, and the fast population growth we, we've got to be able to deliver an extraordinary amount of dwellings to to, to you know to to keep up with that that growth. And just looking at the latest core logic figures. Canberra's doing very, very well. Um, I was chatting to a buyer's agent the other day who's been on the show, Claire. Um, she's having a very, very busy period at the moment. In fact, she barely had time to to speak to me. I, I guess there's there's a there's a bit behind that given the sort of demographics of Canberra being somewhat unusual given all of the government agencies and that sort of thing. And you were saying off air that there's about 50% of the workforce being government employees, is that part of the reason, I guess, why it's doing well now because people aren't worried about their salary and these are generally fairly well-paid professionals? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, you you talk about our unemployment rate and it was from six months ago. Um, You've got it in here. uh, uh, um, I think you said Um, 3.7%. It's it's not too far off that now um, uh, in the the middle of um, a pandemic. And um, one of the main reasons is, yes, 50% 50% of the, the workforce is government, federal and local government, federal being the, the dominant. But in times of, of, of crisis and the, the world we live in at the moment, um, new government initiatives like JobKeeper and, and alike need additional resources. So um, there was one month, I think it was two months back, where our unemployment rate dipped um, significantly because um, you know there was there was people looking for work that were able to get some of those new jobs um, with with federal government. So whilst we're not seeing a huge spike in those federal government employees that are on good salaries and in safe jobs purchasing off the plan, we are seeing a lot of um, investors um, from from other states come into the to the market, and that's probably the sort of area that that um, their buyers agent in Canberra that you were talking with um, are dealing with those people that are hearing all these good statistics about Canberra, hearing how it's safe, hearing how unemployment's low, vacancy rates are still very very low, and mind you. Those vacancy rates are still incredibly low, and the unis are, are closed. Get, you know, outside of government, there's five big universities in Canberra. Um, Australian National University and, and the University of Canberra um, have a lot of international students that, that aren't here, um, and yet the vacancy rates still still very low. So um, people hear this, and um, they're attracted to to, to to jump in. 
Yeah, that's a very interesting stat on its own because there's some some CBDs uh, across the country that have been smashed by the the lack of uh, of international students. Let's focus on Canberra for a second. Um, and you know, we're probably going to have to trot out some of the old cliches. You know, if you live in Melbourne, it's always rainy. If you live in Canberra, um, it's freezing cold. There's sleet. It's sterile, or you could interchange that word for for clean. Um, everything's roundabouty. It's full of politicians, which obviously should be avoided. Um, for someone that's born and bred, firstly, apologies for that stream of insults. <laughs> but what's it like as a place to live? Oh, I love it. It's a, it's a, I couldn't imagine living anywhere else. And I do a lot of travelling in, in my role. Um, you know, best part of half the year, I'm, I'm out of out of Canberra, and it makes me love it even more. Um, the podcast comes at great timing. Yesterday, TripAdvisor um, globally announced the the number one restaurant in in Australia, and it's of course a Canberra restaurant. Another one of our fifteen hatted restaurants that we have down here, um, and um, so that that's a that's a, a big feather in our in our cap. Um, but for as a place to, to live, it's it's great. Everywhere's thirty minutes. You know, it's it's very well planned city. We've now got the light rail coming in, which is making it even easier um, in terms of connectivity, um, the nightlife, the bars, the cafes. It's it's all it's all over the past decade really grown, um, and a lot of that a lot of that's off the back of you know the highest disposable incomes in Australia. These pu- you know, public servants and private sector workers that are that are doing really well that have paid down a lot of their mortgage and. Um, yeah, they're 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 liking they want to go out on on the weeknights, even if it is cold. They they get out there and, and spend their money. So that's really um, accelerated, I guess, the the growth and of, of Canberra. So for me, um, it's changed dramatically over the over the thirty nine years. You know, I've had a few stints away, but all in all, been here my whole life, and um, it has changed um, rapidly in the last decade or so. And it's really interesting when you know I bring bring up um, one of our channel partners that may have come here in the 70s or 80s to visit a friend at university or even studied here themselves to, to see them um, as we take them around and show them the, the change. Um, it's, yeah, it's a great place to live. I couldn't imagine, you know, I'm in Sydney most weeks and the the, the, the traffic and the the just the the difficulty of getting from A to B, it's um, it's not, not for me, um, but still enjoy, you know, visiting those places, but I couldn't imagine living anywhere else but Canberra. Well, I did my best to rubbish it in the intro to the question, but uh, I, I have to say I'm, I'm I'm pretty well convinced after hearing you, and it's amazing that pretty much anywhere in Canberra, within 20 minutes, you can see a kangaroo. Maybe that's a, a stat for your for your sales pitch as well. Um, and growing up, um, such as I did in in Griffith. It, it's it's strangely familiar having both been designed by Burley Griffin. The, so the roundabouts um, actually don't mind at all. Um, now with with Geocon, we're, we're talking uh, a big big business turning over six hundred million a year plus. You know, fifteen hundred apartments to two thousand apartments. I think you said. Um, I'm wondering about that the, the metric of sort of the twelve the twelve properties a day shortfall because when you hear the stats about the amount of apartments that you're bringing onto the market the 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 savvy investors kind of thinking all right well there's there's a, there's oversupply issues there's there's a lack of scarcity how is the balance of of new properties coming onto the market based on the demand? 
Well, the figures as are showing that there's still certainly um, an undersupply. The the you know the fact that we are the delivering you know probably fifty percent in that in the apartment space, and then the availability of land within the ACT is quite quite scarce. Um, there's ten thousand new people coming to Canberra each year. So 30,000 30, um, come and 20,000 go. So it's very transient. Those 20,000 that are going are, are generally, they've finished a, a stint with their, with well, they've finished their university degree and they're, they're heading to work maybe back in China or off to a job in Sydney or they've come here to do army training for th- two or three years or they've come with one of the embassies. So 30,000 coming, 20,000 going, leaving us with with the, the 10,000. So um, with, with with us alone and the other developers and the shortage of land, the supply is certainly not not de- meeting the demand. We've got every time, every, every sort of January, February, when there's the new university intake and the new public service uh, intake, there's... Without fail, the front page of the local paper, you know, students sleeping in libraries can't get a rental property and it, it's, it's, it's like clockwork every sort of January, February. So for us, we, we, yeah, we, we certainly don't, don't see that there um, is anywhere near, getting near an oversupply um, in the foreseeable future as long as those, those numbers continue um, and, and there's, they're not slowing down. Um, the, the government's growing, the unis are growing and um, the population's growing very rapidly. Yeah, and as I think you mentioned before we uh, hit the red button, that there's a lot of administration around these government support systems uh, on the on the back of COVID nineteen as well. So the the government's quite quite possibly growing in the next little while. With with the investors that are interested in Canberra, can you give us a bit of a lay of the land in terms of where your projects are and what I guess characterise those locations, what they're like. Yeah, so we Canberra's broken up into into what I describe as as five areas. So you've got um, five town centres um, in the in the far south. Um, so twenty minutes from the CBD, you've got Tuggeranong. So that's facing down towards Melbourne. Um, we have and 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 of these town centres, we've got projects that are in all of them, whether they're um, and mostly off off the plan um, that are under construction at the moment. We we don't. Um, because of the supply issues, we, we don't have issues like a lot of the other developers um, around Australia of having a lot of um, residual stock when we come to the completion of a project, um, which which is good. We, we have some, but but not an awful lot. So Tuggeranong down in the south, 20 minutes from the, the CBD, and you've got some of the big federal government departments there that Medicare for all of Australia, Centrelink for all of Australia is based out there. So it's a to be government sort of workforce area. Um, and then on the opposite side of Canberra, the first, as you come down from Sydney, you've got um, Gungarland, which is a the fastest growing of the, the town centres. It's where they've connected the light rail into the city. It's where you're, you're most likely to get a house and land package. Um, again, 20 minutes from the CBD and we have a, a project um, that's under construction there that, that we're selling. And they're both similar price points, Tuggeranong and, and Gungarland. Uh, and then you've got Woden, which is uh, 10 minutes from the, the CBD uh, and uh, sort of the inner south, and it's on the other side of the, the lake. So Lake Burley Griffin cuts Canberra sort of essentially in two, half the population's on the north of the lake and half on the, on the south of the lake. Woden's on the south, um, 10 minutes from the CBD, and in, in that sort of inner south area is where you've got the really sort of expensive houses in Canberra, um, uh, you know, your $7, 8000000 million dollar 
homes, which for Sydney and Melbourne um, probably seem like a drop in an ocean, the ocean, but for Canberra, that's, um, there's some pretty big numbers in those that inner south area. And then the biggest of the town centres, um, Belconnen, where that's, that's where I live, again, 10 minutes from the CBD, but on the, on the north side of town, and that's um, the uh, Department of Bureau of Statistics, the biggest Westfield. Um, all these town centres have their own sort of transport, infrastructure, government shop fronts, um, and they all connect really well together. So it's very easy to get from sort of one to the other. And then um, the fifth is the, that the CBD area, which is the where we also have um, pro- projects um, um, underway. Yep, beautiful. That's uh, that's very helpful. Thanks, Simon. Um, for for people that are looking at purchasing an investment off the plan, and this may may be great advice for anyone purchasing across Australia. I'm interested in how, say, the the defects liability warranty period works for for Geocon, and and if you could expand on that, any tips for investors if they're looking at new build apartments to make sure they're getting a quality asset at the end of the construction and it is actually going to be in demand as well. Yeah, so that's a, that's a great question because it, it is it, it does come up a lot. And we touched on it earlier in the podcast. So because we're fully integrated, the, the construction and development team um, is delivering the product and involved in handling um, handing over the final product to the customer. Um, so all the PC items have warranties um, when they're purchased new off the plan and the team that hands over the product also involved in the defect liability, um, which in some areas extends out to, to 10 years. So, you know, I think I mentioned it before, ultimately it comes down to our reputation and we need to maintain that. So we go above and beyond when it comes to defects, liabilities and warranties um, because of our reputation. But it's also a much more seamless and um, customer-focused process, the fact that the team um, building it, developing it and selling it is part of that process all the way up through, through to the end. And... For people that are, are looking at an off-the-plan apartment, uh, let's say it's outside of, of Geocon, have you got any tips for them to, to, I guess, questions perhaps to ask the developer or the sales agent, maybe some red flags that they should be looking out for? Um, yeah, good. it's a good question. I mean, I'm, I'm biased. So if I was buying a camera, I'd only be buying off off Jericon. Um, that just just the other well, all the other developers in Canberra are dodgy. Nah, <laughs> the, uh, the, and I guess if I put my property hat on and looking at say something in in you know Adelaide or Sydney or and not knowing those markets like I know Canberra, I'd be yeah, I'd be really. Um, asking, okay, well, who's who's the builder? Um, who, who's the developer? Can you show me um, some other? Can you take me to something that they've um, built before? Um, I'd be looking at, um, you know, the, the 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 amount of information you can get off the internet these days is 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 brilliant. You know, you, buyers are so well educated. I'm sure you've heard this previously with your other guests that you know our our local sales team are telling me every day they come in with so much knowledge and um, you know they can do so much research and comparison. But yeah, my tips really is you know knowing who's building it, knowing who's developing it, and within 20 minutes um, doing. Some some research on, online about okay, well, what what else is um, happening in this area? Are there other developments going to be going up in a year or two's time next door? Is there 
any new infrastructure coming into the area or is there um, industry that's closing down that means it might be hard for me to rent it out? So, I mean, they're the, they're the I guess, off the top of my head, the things that I would personally be, be looking at if I was looking to invest you know, outside of a market that I knew or, or off the plan anywhere, I guess. Beautiful. Can you characterise the investors that go into to your projects? Firstly, sort of what percentage of investors go into them? I know that there are all sorts of different projects, but just interesting, uh, interested in some insights there. And who are the, the investors outside of Canberra that are investing? Obviously, you talked about some overseas investors, but w- typically who are they and what, what attracts them to, to Canberra for, for a unit investment? Yeah, so they, they are a wide range of in, investors. Um, you know, the, the, there's probably you know, 10 or 12 sort of categories um, of them, but I'll, I'll talk about sort of the biggest three um, that, that I work with. There's the, there's the um, Sydney investor that um, have bought their first home, they're paying off their first home probably in the western corridor of Sydney, um, I'd say yeah, Blackwood, uh, 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 called Blacktown or they're just outside the city in Chatswood and they want to invest and they look at the Sydney prices and um, the entry point um, mightn't be affordable for them. That's that's a big category for us, looking at those people. it's They can drive down within two and a half hours, have a look at it, um, and they can get something with a, a, a two or a three in front of it, um, which they can't get in Sydney. Um, and then the, um, they get a rental guarantee with it, which takes away a lot of the, the nervousness for them. Um, so that's probably our biggest our biggest investor um, outside of um, in the channels that I look after those those Sydney investors that are looking to to, to get um, their first investment outside of the property that they're paying off and Sydney is just a little bit um, unaffordable for them yeah. um, the second biggest category would be the international investor that's attracted to, to Canberra's fundamentals, so the yields, vacancy rates, they know the ANU, um, and they're either looking um, to to um, set them, their children up for education. ANU is the number one university in Australia, the only university in the world's top 20, and, and so they, they're buying something for, for their children's education in the, in, in the future, or they're attracted to Canberra's... Um, stamp duty surcharge being zero every other state charges foreigners um uh, an additional tax for, for purchasing and canberra doesn't doesn't have that so that's attractive to them um so that's that's probably the second um biggest category um and then the third one is a lot of people looking to make a purchase through you know their self-managed super fund or um you know moving particularly at the moment, taking some money out of shares and putting it into property. And, and because we offer a, a rental guarantee, so a guaranteed return, it's a it's a good option for them. So, you know, the, there's, as I said, there's, there's 10, 12 different categories, but of the, you know, 50% of the sales, the investor sales we do, they're the probably dominant three categories. Yeah. And what's happening with international investors? Uh, have they sort of slowed down in the last little while? I know there's been some rule changes about how you can invest in in Australia. Can you update us on that? Yeah, it's constantly changing. It's one of the one of the one of the um, 
more challenging parts of, of my role is sort of keeping abreast of all those different different changes and different policies, not just that Australia makes, but but different um, uh, governments overseas. But in my time here, what I've seen is is that it's never always um, doom and gloom in every country. So whilst um, we've seen a drop-off in um, sales out of Singapore just because they're doing a very tough at the moment economically. We've seen um, a big boost in, in sales and inquiry from Hong Kong. Um, and that's not just um, Hong Kong residents. That That's mainly, you know, Aussie expats that are that are looking to, to, to either come home. So they're not necessarily an investor. They might be living in one of our apartments or um, looking to, to get some their money out of Hong Kong. Um, and then when different programs open up, um, for, for migration, we, we've had periods of time where we've done events in India and sold um, sold some apartments um, over there for people looking to, to make Canberra their new home. So um, it's it's constantly changing. Um, at the moment, um, I, I would say Hong Kong is where we're getting a lot of it, uh, the majority of our international inquiry. Um, but six months ago, it was China, and twelve months ago, it was Singapore. So it's 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 yeah, it's, it's a it's an ever changing environment. Yeah, well, it's interesting how much of an international city it is, I guess, as evidenced by all of the chef hats that you've got down there. I think actually the best Italian that I've had in my life was in Canberra and just kind of seems like a weird thing to say, but I mean, that's, that's, I can't argue with it. Simon, um, how do people get in touch with you if they want to have a chat to you? Oh, they, I've got to um, try and keep a pretty strong presence on on, on LinkedIn, um, so or through the Jericon um, website, or you can uh, email me or, or phone me direct. I'm, I'm yeah, always looking to, to to talk to new people, whether it's for a channel opportunity or just to to learn. I'm, I'm very new, uh, even though it's been three years, very new to the property industry and um, the development game. So one of the most exciting um, parts of my role is talking and meeting with new people um, on a daily basis and learning. So yeah, they can reach out to me direct or through um, through through LinkedIn. Beautiful. And if there's one part, piece of advice that you could impart for, let's say, property investors, what would it be? Um, it's a good one. I would say looking at the data, the, the property data historically um, with uh, across all of Australia is, is you know, you may have some peaks and troughs, whether it's a GFC or if it's a COVID, but over time um, the prices, you know, I guess as a comparison to the share market, you're always going to do well out of property. You might have a couple of down years, um, but it's one of the exciting things that I found, um, as I said, when I met my wife and we started our journey is that, you know, you may have a couple of years where you don't get the growth that you wanted, but overall, over a, over an extended period of time, I don't think there's many examples, if any, in Australia where yeah, the property prices haven't, haven't gone up. So my one piece of advice is, you know, don't listen to the guy over the fence that tells you that there's going to be a percent drop or it's all going to crash and wait till next year because prices are going to come down because you're going to be in front in the long run. That would be my one piece of advice for someone that hasn't been at it for as long as others, but um, it's certainly been um, proven in, in my own personal experience but also from a GeoCon experience as well. Beautiful. Simon, it's been a pleasure having you. Thanks for joining us and sharing your wisdom today. Thanks very much, Mike.